The Crux of the Matter, Episode 52, 1 Timothy Chapter 4. Hello and welcome to The Crux of the Matter, the show by pastors, for, for pastors. My name is Pastor Todd Peppercorn. And this is Professor Scott Stigmeyer. Hey Scott, how are you doing today? Yeah, it's a good day. Yep. Every day is a good day in Orange County. There you go, I'm sure, etc., etc. Yep, we are uh, uh, coming up on the fourth Sunday in Lent here as we record this. So, uh, so I'm kind of uh, hot and heavy in the midst of looking at the prodigal son in Luke 15, which is the gospel for uh, Sunday, and uh, all sorts of uh, all sorts of fun stuff here. It's been a it's been a good week, definitely. Yeah, that's great. That's a great text. Oh. One of my favorites. It's hard not yeah. to uh, hard not yeah. to love that text. The weirdest thing about the, the weirdest thing about how this appears in the lectionary is that the text is actually like fifteen one to three a, and then eleven to thirty two. So it skips the parable of the of the lost sheep and the parable and the of coin. the coin of the lost coin and yeah. goes and goes right. into the uh, to the prodigal son. Now, obviously, what's odd about that, or one of the things that's odd about that, is that it actually begins, and he told them a parable, and then tells these three. So I think you could argue exegetically that the three are actually one parable, or that's the intention behind it. But despite that, it will be uh, it will certainly be a good uh, uh, good text along the way. Yeah. I'm looking forward to yeah. it. I don't know how many times I've preached on that in the past, but yeah. Good. Was it in the one year? Is it in the one year lectionary? Um, it is. I think it's like Trinity three or something, uh, okay. something in that neighborhood. And uh, uh, it's been a few years, but it it was in there enough so that I have preached on it m- close to every year. I'm sure I've preached yeah. on it a dozen times in one way or another, um, which yeah. is great because it's an awesome text. Yeah, and uh, and I and I finally finished. Hebrews, as I said last week, so so this week has has been spent um, introducing the book of Ephesians, and then uh, kind of preparing the first chapter of Ephesians for my uh, folks. Just thinking about what are we studying here along the way, and Ephesians is a great book too. Of course, it does have some kind of um, kind of remarkably heavy language in it. You know, you got the whole predestination thing you've got that great text on the on uh on on being sealed in both chapter one and chapter four a lot of baptismal language all sorts of stuff so so that's been uh that's been fun i don't remember if i've ever taught on heat on ephesians before if i have it was a long long time ago and i didn't put much work into it which i probably shouldn't admit but you know that's kind of the way it is what what commentaries are you using, or or what resources are you just kind of working through the Greek? And uh, I'm working. Stuff up? I'm I'm certainly working working through the Greek, working uh, kind of working the working the outline. Last week, I think I mentioned this last week too. Um, whenever I try to, whenever I do one of those epistles or something that is in a manageable manageable length, I try to read the whole thing start to finish uh, in class so that the so that the class can kind of hear the whole thing as a unit before we get down to the uh, to the real nuts and bolts and the minutia that we like to do here in the West. Um, so we did that last Sunday, and that was most of our introduction, uh, which is great. 
Uh, I'm also working with uh, Tom Winger's commentary on Ephesians, which is kind of a kind of a tour de force on it. It's a it's a pretty pretty heavy book, um, but a great book. I love it. It's uh, it's it's fascinating, and he is clearly a great a great scholar. I uh, I am enjoying it very much, but it's it's uh, it's heavy going. That's for sure. Sounds so, great. Yeah, it's good. So this uh, this week, by my reckoning, we are uh, continuing our uh, project of going through the pastoral epistles here, or at least First Timothy. Uh, so we are on First Timothy chapter four. Am I right on that, Scott? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. that's correct. All right, good, good, good. And it's probably your turn to read. So why don't you give us okay. chapter four here, please? Okay. All right, here it is, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I am reading from the English Standard Version. Okay. Okay. Now, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. Through the insincerity of liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage, and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For everything God uh, created by God is good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is to be received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. If you put these things before the brothers, you will be a good servant of Christ Jesus, being trained in the words of the faith and of the good doctrine that you have followed. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have our hopes set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things, immerse yourself in them, so that all may see your progress. Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. And here ends the lesson. There we go. Wow, we got a lot of great stuff in there. Uh, it's mm-hmm. just uh, so many, so many levels of uh, of awesome. I don't even know where to. I don't even know where to begin. Um, yeah, well, I you start we with should, the beginning. Yeah, I we should start with the first one. That would make a certain amount of sense, wouldn't it? So, so we get uh, so we get Paul's exhortation that there are some who will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to. Uh, lying spirits and teachings of demons. Now, yeah, yeah. What I think is interesting about that is what are the teaching of demons that he that he expressly mentions here? Well, he mentions that they forbid marriage. Yep, 
and uh, abstinence from certain foods. Yeah, of all of the things <laughs> to to critique, why is he critiquing? Why are these two the uh, the the things? These teachings of demons that are in place in in Ephesus, because I think Timothy is in Ephesus at this time, if I recall. I, and, and I'm really asking because I don't know what is, is that something to do with the cult of Artemis that was common in a fee in Ephesus or do you have any idea? Cause I don't. Well, I mean, it sounds to me, I, I'm not a, you know, I'm no more of a expert on first Timothy than you, but it sounds to me an awful lot like Gnosticism, a form of Gnosticism. Sure. Um, because, because there were different um, Gnostic cults that, felt marriage was uh, not to be engaged in because the you don't want to see by creating children you are trapping more souls and so you don't oh, want to be married yeah right, see, right, right. you're trapping and, more souls in, in material yeah matter. and it clearly is a, um, a, a a very physical fleshly relation and so yeah, yeah, I, yeah. that definitely makes sense um, and I suppose uh, and I suppose the same could be said of of food and the abstinence of food is that this is um, that that to be tied to or bound to to uh, mm-hmm. food is also a denial of the physical along the, along the way, right? Yeah. And and especially flesh, so meat, meat right. eating, right? Um, you know, so there there were cults that were vegetarian. And by, you know, vegetarian, not because of health benefits, but because right. of, um, you know, religious beliefs, hmm. uh, you know, so that uh, anyway, so I, that's what it sounds like to me is that he's got some kind of Gnostic stuff going on, which would be appropriate. I mean, that's certainly appropriate for the sure. time. Sure. sure. Uh, and, and it was attractive. I mean, there were Christianized, Christian-ish types of Gnosticism that, that, people kind of probably were floating over to. Right, right. And then you have at verse 4 this remarkable um, affirm, affirmation uh, or confession, really, of of the created order. You know, everything created by God is good. Nothing is to be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is made holy by the word of God in prayer. Now, obviously, I can imagine all sorts of ways that that could be twisted, and oh, sure. and sure. and used falsely, but the the basic premise that God's creation is good seems pretty straightforward. Um, yeah, yeah, and and it it seems like he's saying that it's still good, you know, right. even though this is post fall, right? We right. can there is a way in which we can still say that the created world, which includes our bodies, right. Is good now. Now, maybe I'm reading in. Maybe I'm reading into this more than more than is intended here. But it strikes me that um, that this text would have something to do with our whole debate or question about uh, about whether there is any of the image of God retained in in humanity post fall. How do you avoid that in this conversation? Well, this is why I'm never fully, as a Lutheran, I'm never fully comfortable with that part of tulip, the T, the right. total depravity. While I get, I believe that we are dead in our trespasses and sins, but when I hear total depravity, 
you know, and of course, Paul does say things like, you know, nothing good lives in me. And, you know, he, he does use phrases that lean that way. But, you know, is it really true to say that, that human beings, that there's no sense in which we do good things, you know, or can do good things? Or by which I mean, are, create good are art. Good. I mean, and that's right. that's what I find interesting is I get the I get the no uh, do no good thing part, and you know, in terms of sin and guilt and and this, um, but it becomes more difficult. What I think, at least, at least in my mind, when you start to talk about identity language, that so so let's let's take an example. If we say that we are a slave to sin, yeah, that is, um that is more relational. You know, what is my relationship to sin that I am, I am uh, in bondage, that I am in slavery to it. Um, then, then who I, then who I actually am, even though I am a slave to sin, I am still a human being. And, um, yeah, absolutely. You're still a human being. And I would go a, a little bit in a, I would add this, that take Beethoven, okay? Um, isn't there a way in which we can say that the, that the symphonies of Beethoven are good and beautiful? Yeah, I think we can say that. I don't think we have to say that it's that they're e- everything coming from humanity is evil through and through without any sense of beauty or goodness or any glimpse of God. Right. Of you know what I mean? You. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. An excellence. Um, it doesn't mean to say that, that you know, it, it's, it's saving or that there's any, you know, I, that's where I would actually agree with the two kinds of righteousness thing. I, you know, I do think that there are ways in which we can say human beings, you know, you can have a good neighbor who, who is a, a sure. you know, civilly a good, civically a good person, sure. but that doesn't save him. It, it, it avails nothing before the creator. Yeah, I mean, and obviously this has lots of interesting implications, I think, in how we approach, in how we approach pastoral care. Right. And, um, and, and I would invite our listeners, uh, if, if we're off base on this, or if you've got a different perspective on this, I'd love, to, I'd really love to hear it because this is kind of a serious, in my mind, is a serious pastoral care debate on kind of how do I approach the, the, the sinner whom God has entrusted to me um, as an under shepherd. Uh, do well, I? And, and you go ahead. You, you know, Todd, that um, where I kind of fall on the image of God thing. That you know, I, within Lutheran dogmatics, we tend to be very strong, saying that the image of God was lost because we're talking about original righteousness. But I think right. there's room for us to say that we have lost original righteousness. But that doesn't mean that there is no way at all in which humans still reflect the divine image. Um, and, you know, there, there's been some research to show that even Luther and Melanchthon used the term image a little bit loose, a little bit loosely, um, you know, and Peeper even, you know, so, sure. so there's been, you know, so I, I'm, I'm of the mind that you can look at a human being and the only human beings I've ever seen are post-fall. That's the only <laughs> right. human Last being I, I know. Yep. Right, right. I, I, and I haven't, you know, other than the Lord, which we know. But um, I, I think there's still some way in which we as Lutherans can affirm the total loss of original righteousness, but affirm, the as, as Paul seems to be doing here, the goodness of their createdness 
which isn't completely it's marred, but it's not completely gone. Right. And to and at the same time to recognize that this has huge implications for pastoral care. Yes. Well, of course, because it, it you know the the how we evaluate a human being um, determines how we treat them. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, right. Exactly. You know. a- exactly. And, and why, and, and maybe this is simplistic, Scott, why does God love us? You know, and obviously, ultimately that is a mystery. That is the mystery of the gospel, right? Uh, but <laughs> to say that, that God created us in his image and that he loves his good creation and that includes us. Um, I don't think that that denigrates or threatens the biblical doctrine of original or inherited sin. I I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. And so, and I think that yeah. So what? So when I am talking to the seventh grade girl who is struggling with all sorts of body image questions and, you know, and everything under the sun, which, which seventh grade girls deal with, or, you know, 17 or, you know, 27 or whatever age, you know, we, mm-hmm. we live in this, yeah. this plastic world where, um, uh, we live in this plastic world that, uh, that makes these, makes all of us believe that my body has to be it has to be modified in order to be good. It has to be changed in order to be mm-hmm. good. And but the change that it needs is not what the world says. That's how I would look at it, at least. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think one of the maladies, one of the spiritual maladies that, that we have, I mean, we are we're contradictions, right? I mean, at the same time, we are all narcissists. Sure. We are also we also tend towards self hatred or self loathing. Uh, there seems to be an element of that. I you know I hope that doesn't sound like pop psychology, but I think there's an element that seems to be in many people's minds a, a sense of worthlessness. Um, it's a deception, right. um, but I think that it's one that that many people, if not all people, wrestle with. Yeah, yeah, I agree, and and, and I find it fascinating that Paul. Paul addresses this precisely in the context of of pastoral care. I mean, that's what he's mm-hmm. doing with Timothy here. Is he is is he is warning Timothy about these these people in the church that are going to threaten the life of the church by threatening. I don't want to put this too crassly by threatening the behavior of the church, by yeah. threatening the 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 morality of the church, and even. Furthermore, mentions at the beginning of this chapter how this has an impact on their conscience. Yeah. That because of uh, because they have been taught that uh, the body is evil, or that these things who, which God has created are are intrinsically evil, food, mm-hmm. right. etc. Yeah, right. That therefore, how does that impact their worldview? Well, now they put themselves in a position of having to judge whether, whether God's creation is, is the good part of the creation or the bad part of creation. Absolutely. Which is, absolutely. Which is a, which is kind of what we do as fallen human beings. But, uh, but I love that, that Paul highlights that this is 
actually a part of our fallenness is that to say that these things of God's creation are good and these other things of God's creation are bad is a part of our fallen nature that we're judging the wrong things. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, and you know, and this is departing from the faith. This isn't a matter. These are not just mere, you know, the uh, items of life such as marriage and, and attitudes toward such things as food are not mere footnotes. You know, they, the, this is the departure from the faith. It's all tied together, hmm. you know, that, that, that their ethics and their ability to understand the creation, the incarnation, the, you know, the dignity of human, human beings, um, this is all tied into their ethics. Hmm. Very interesting. I'm really, uh, yeah. I'm liking that. Yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah, there is. Let's take a take a peek and see if there's um, see what more there is, what more there is along the way here. Well, I, I mean, I think he begins the chapter and ends. You know, he's not hang using on, hang on, Scott. Okay, I am. Okay. Uh, I'm getting some some pretty serious feedback from you. Okay. Okay. Uh, I think it's bad enough that I'm going to have to call you right back. Let's see if we can. Okay. Okay. So I'll call you. Okay. Okay. Are you still there? Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're still getting a lot of that, uh, a lot of that gunk from you. Testing, testing, one, two, one, three. Two, three. Yep. Yeah, it's bad. That's weird. That's it's, weird. It's almost. It sounds like there's almost a, like a cable that's loose or something like that. Check your, check your connections, because it's only on your end. I mean, it's just. Yeah, there's some kind of bizarro feedback going on there. Testing, Testing one, two, one, three. three. Yeah, that is almost, uh, well, it's definitely unusable. That's weird because it, it's not it going okay. okay. Yeah, it's not a connection issue at all. The The connection speed is fine. Everything else is fine. Um, why don't you try unplugging your unplugging your mic and plugging it back in for a sec? Let's see if we get lucky. that help well now i now i think you're on your um is that right computer mic that sounds better (laughs) go into go into skype and and check and see which mic you're you're being picked up on now what about now now it sounds great now it sounds fine okay do you still want me to check uh just for fun check just to make sure you know up to preferences audio video You see it? Yeah, it says the um, USB device. Okay, well that's fine then. Well, let's um, let's pick up with. Uh, I think I think when I started was uh, well. Let's see what else there is in this uh, yeah. chapter, and I will start with that, and maybe we can uh, start to look at uh, beginning at verse six. You want to? Is okay. that good? All right. Yeah. You want so, me to go? No, I'll okay. start us. All right. So if we uh, go on in the chapter here, we get we start to get uh, uh, get this language of uh, of training, which is really interesting um, along the way to uh, to train yourself in godliness. 
uh, don't have anything to do with irreverent silly myths, but train yourself for godliness. And that is, I'm just looking at the, I'm just looking at the word there, gymnazo. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, mm-hmm. that's um, athletic or physical discipline. That's the word there. Definitely. But he and it gets used, it in a different it gets used way. like three times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we get bodily training, training and godliness, um, and then even toiling and striving. Well, and what? then in verse six, trained in the words of the faith and of good doctrine. Yeah. Yeah. That is interesting. It's where he starts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're trained in good doctrine. That is the gospel. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's what, that's what that says. And um, I don't know. One of the things that I, that I am fascinated by in, in kind of pastoral care and pastoral care training today is, is, our, uh, is this word formation. You know, because that's a word that we didn't we didn't use much 20, 25 years ago. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't remember uh, when we were in seminary, at least, that the language Mm -hmm. of formation was in place. But I mean, the person that actually talked about formation a lot and formation in the Christian faith and that sort of that that sort of organic movement talk. I mean, that there are a couple places. One is Schleiermacher. I mean, that's Schleiermacher language right there is that the faith is form, formed in shape. I mean, that's his anthropology. But then the other is that's Vatican II and post-Vatican II RCIA kind of language. And I think that's where we got it. I think so, too. I, that's my inclination as well, is that we get this, uh, we get this um, discipleship formation uh, following kind of, uh, kind of language and – I don't know. I think it's it, it just it's interesting to me because as Lutherans we tend to reject that kind of that kind of language at least in my understanding. You know, just like does faith it, does faith happen instantly? Is there a point in time when faith is created or is faith sort of a habit that is engendered? And the answer (laughs) is probably some version of yes. Well, yeah. I I mean, when we when we talk about faith as being the work of the Holy Spirit, there does have to be a point where you say this person doesn't believe this person doesn't have faith. This person does have faith. But we can't um, but we can't use that kind of language to the exclusion of. Of the fact that you do actually grow in faith, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, and, and which is which is clearly biblical language, and and, and and it is. And and how do you distinguish faith? Well, I mean, I know you do. We can distinguish faith from faithfulness. Sure, I think that there's a there. Yes, of course, they're different things, and um, you know. But we like we like to categorize things that are really. Uh, you know, a little more organic, a little more integrated. Yep. Um, we like to disintegrate. <laughs> yep. And, um, uh, and that's, you know, that's not necessarily good because um, we don't want to treat the faith as it. And when, when it says doctrine, as if this is just only cognitive assent, right. uh, there's, there, there's a, there is such a thing as transformation. There is such a thing as new birth. Sure. And and we want to logically separate them, but I don't know that we can 
separate them in fact, if that right. makes sense. Well, and, and even in our, even in our catechism language, we have, you know, that we should daily by contrition and repentance, uh, you know, the old man in us should die with all sins and evil desires and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God, etc. And yeah. of course, Paul here doesn't use the word faith. You no, know, it doesn't no. say train yourself for faith. It would be an interesting study to see if if uh, if train is used in connection with faith somewhere. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he uses this word Eusebia, godliness yeah. or piety, right. religion, you know. I mean, I I'm just looking at the at the definition of the word and it kind of covers a lot of um reverence even. Uh you know, it's an interesting word uh that he that he uses here and I would argue that what he is, what Paul is talking about here is, is specifically training as a pastor. Mm-hmm. Do you think? Do you think that's true? Do you agree with that? Um, I, I'd have to think about it. Um, you know, because I, I, it, it seems to me that he is saying something very personal to Timothy. Yes. Um. Because, you know, then he also talks about, you know, he, you know he's, he kind of goes in and out. I think he goes in and out from being personal. Do not neglect the gift you have. Let no right. one despise you. Right. Um, but, then he, but then he talks about things which are very, um, have broad application. Um, I think he might be telling Timothy to be a good pastor, be a good Christian. Right. right. <laughs> I mean, they, they go hand in hand. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. That I, that I think is a. Uh, would be would be worth some uh, some exploration. And well, look does, at the last look at the last sentence. Persistence. You will say both yourself and your hearers and your hearers. Right. I mean, he is speaking to he is speaking to Timothy as a pastor. I don't think there's any question about that. Sure. Sure. But whether or but how does this kind of language have applicate broader application? I suppose that's the that's the question there. Um, and so, you know, we also get the bodily training is of some value, that this is a good thing. Physical discipline is a good thing. Um, but but training in Eusebia, you know, training in piety is good, is of value in every way. That this is this is what should be our bread and butter as pastors. Mm-hmm. Is this is this training in in godliness? I don't know. Verse, I got to think verse, about this a lot. Yeah, I do too. Verse 10, for to this end, we toil and strive. Yeah. Yeah. It, exactly. It's it's not just, this is not just a, a side marginal thing. Right. Right. It, it is somewhere, you know, it is something of a goal. And, you know, I, I, I we would got to be careful with how we express things because we're not trying to suggest that the gospel is just a means to an end or something like that. Right. Um. But there is, you know, we do have a goal. I mean, it's called sure. the eschaton and, sure. you know, and uh, glorification. There is a goal that now, we're on the path. I do want to, I do want to point out in looking at, in looking at verse two or verse 10, rather, the word end isn't there. Mm. There's oh, no, what is there's no tell us. It's ace tuto uh, gar copiomen kai agonosima, agonosist. Thomatha. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the Greek in front of me. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's 
it's for this we strive and toil. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. for this we work and are in agony. There's no, there's no telos or mm-hmm. you know any any anything there. This is what this is what we are striving and working about, working for. Yeah. is yeah. kind of the kind of the point there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting. Now, yeah, now now moving moving down this down this we we have the don't let anyone despise you for your youth but be a good example and of course we have um we have in the uh, at the beginning of the next chapter we have him saying don't let anyone despise you in your in your youth but don't don't go rebuking the older man either (laughs) that doesn't Mm -hmm. give you an excuse to be a jerk basically yeah right Um, right and and also thirteen, right? Devote yourself to the pu- uh, and this has public reading of scripture. Mm-hmm. I, I'd have uh, I'd again have to look at some other some other trend. You know, on, anagnosis. You know, the angelos. You know, this is the the announcement. That's the that's the kind of the language there, um, which is which is interesting. Uh, to to exhort, exhortation and to and to teaching these are these three things which is and this is one of those verses that is so fun because it begs the question is the public reading of scripture intrinsic to the office of the ministry right right, right. yeah sure and therefore uh, is this something that laity should be doing why or why not and kind of where do those lines go now we do know that in the early church they had the they had an office of lector that was set aside as a public reader, but uh, but this is this is the verse that anytime you kind of get at the well anybody can read the Bible, yes, yeah. but the public reading of the scriptures is is not a throwaway job, right. But is something no, no. that that should be treated with with tremendous care and uh, and and seriousness. That it should never be treated as um, as as if anybody can do it. If that makes sense. Yeah, you know, it's he Paul, Paul tells Timothy to do three things in that verse. Yep, and um, you know. Is exhortation, you know, how is that different when when Timothy's doing that as a pastor? I mean, I would right. I would argue that exhortation, in a certain definition, can apply to any Christian. You know, sure. any Christian exhorts a brother. You know, parents exhort right. their children. Right. Um, but um, you know, he, he's talking about pastoral exhortation. There, there. I wonder if he's talking about church discipline there a little bit. Well, I, I mean, and, and again, looking looking at it, I, I think next time I'm going to have to get you to pull your Greek up so you can help me with. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't look at the Greek. Yeah, because so. because I'm uh, you know until I until I come, Eric, um mm-hmm. devote yourself prosake to, and then literally you have to the reading. These are all datives to paraklesi, okay. paraklesi. You know, paraclete to yeah. you know, however you want to exhortation. You know, and this is that comforter, counselor word we get in John, which is interesting. Yeah, about the spirit. 
and, right. and to didascalia to mm. to teaching um yeah. so to the public reading and so of scripture is actually implied there <laughs> that's yeah. not a, that's not in the text that's um, interesting yeah it is uh, to to exhortation slash encouragement and to and to the teaching yeah hmm. yeah wow yeah does it you know yeah. these these pastoral epistles don't get the serious attention that they deserve sometimes i totally agree um and of course verse 14 what is the gift yeah. <laughs> i wondered if we we were going to get to that. Uh, yeah. Alan. What is the gift? Is this ordination? Yeah, I think so. I, I, you know, which was given when the council of elders, when the presbyteron, presbyterian lay their hands on you. I'd call that ordination. I don't um, know what else it is. I don't know what else it would be. Yeah. 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 And, and the gift, you know, he's, he's receiving, there's right. something here. Um, right. The office, yeah. you know, the office could be the, the gift. Yep. Um, I don't know that we have to go as far as, you know, saying that there's some indelible imprint on the man. No, I, uh-huh. yeah, I don't think that that's the point, but it is charisma I mean, or charisma. Yeah. That's the word. That's you it's know, a spiritual gift. gift. Right. That's right. the gift um, yeah. given to you by by prophecy. <laughs> there's just no <laughs> possibilities of how that could get done. But yeah. then, but then we got these three, th- uh, three things. And I, um, Practice these things, study, think about, work in these things, immerse yourself in them. I mean, that's pretty strong language. Yeah, it is. Um, that all may see your that all may see your progress, which too is uh, further evidence that we're not talking about faith here, right? But that we're, we're not talk- talking about salvation. We're not talking about salvation. We're talking about that um, that word that piety word that we had that we had earlier the this this eusebia this godliness i think um yeah. and then practice these things which is the uh, you know the reading the exhortation the teaching um immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress um this would be the appropriate time to uh, stop and have a uh, public service announcement about continuing education for pastors, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right? That, right, that absolutely. We, that we are not to, uh, okay, now I've got all of the answers. Now I'm done. Now I've got it. But that this is a, that this is a continual act, that this is a continual thing that we are to do, um, not a, it's not a one-time shot. Practice the gift. (laughs) Yeah. You were cutting out there for just a second. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. 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 But we're good again. No, we got our, we got our buzzing again. We got our buzzing again. Why don't you, uh, Call me back again. Okay. If we can and uh, plug and unplug while you do it. Okay. Yep. All right. Hi. Yep. That's better. Okay. Yeah, we we should probably try to wrap up pretty quickly. <laughs> I we think so. Begin. We're uh, we're starting to tempt the fates here. I'm afraid. 
Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we can, uh, we can wrap up. We're probably at about 40 minutes right now. Yeah. We um, should, why don't we go to the joy bringers then? All right. We can, we can do that. Well, maybe next time we should start with, with a four sixteen, just because that's oh. such an interesting verse. Yeah. Um, just to wrap up. I agree. All right. I'll, I'll start us off on the next section then. Okay. Okay, for our listeners, we've been having a few technical problems, so we're going to move on to try to wrap up here, and next time we will start on chapter 4, verse 16, but we do not want to stop without uh, mentioning our joy bringers along the way. Scott, why don't you go first? Yeah, I um, often mention books, and I often have things to do with theology, but um, I've got an element of pop culture that I want to highlight today, Um, and that is the series... Mad Men. Okay. Many of many of our listeners are familiar with it. It's very popular. A lot of people have watched it. I just watched last night, I just watched the the, the season the series finale. Um, I'd been kind of putting that off and I'm on break this week, so I had a little extra time and and so I watched it last night and I gotta say, I thought it I thought it ended brilliantly. Um, and you know, the, the character of Don Draper as a lost soul is to me, is to me almost endlessly interesting. I think that they just did a terrific job and, you know, I didn't expect them to come up with the gospel in this anywhere, but, uh, you know, they do depict lostness pretty well. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I have, uh, just very occasionally dipped my toes into that series. I haven't watched it, uh. I haven't watched it very often, um, so I don't uh, I don't know much about it. But that's a good uh, that's a good recommendation. Probably well, a you good do, welcome distraction, as you, it were. Yeah, I mean, you're aware that it's about um, advertising men in the 1960s. Sure, sure. And um, you know, the show gets a lot of praise for its accuracy and attention to detail. I mean, I I enjoy watching it just for the nostalgia. I grew up in the 60s. Sure. Uh, I mean, I I grew up in the 70s, but I remember right. the styles that reflect back, and oh, yeah. and um, uh, you know, so there's lots of things you know that that I, I that make me think of my childhood when I see them, you know, doing certain things, and and you know, everybody smoking everywhere, for right. instance, right. Um, right? That just very very accurate to the times, and so some people enjoy it for that, and try to you know they they always tap into what was popular at the time, and some people criticize it because it it doesn't ever take on seriously race right. um, which how do you do a series on the 1960s and not talk about the civil rights movement and not talk about right. you know at all almost right. and um you know that was a choice that the writers made that you know was probably whatever but um it, it's a fascinating look into a period of american history americana but the character of don draper as a lost soul i think is um just just brilliantly brilliantly done and and well cast the whole whole series is well cast so it's a joy and a good distraction but also just like all all art forms can give us a hint of human nature sure. and teach us something about human nature and i think this one does it does a remarkable job at it cool very cool yeah, well, yeah. that's a good uh, that's a good recommendation uh mine is in a uh, somewhat different vein and that is i am uh my pick is a uh, tool that I have been uh, been using or starting to use in connection with my with my study of uh, with my study for uh, for this Ephesians book, 
one of the things that I have in the past, and I somehow or another I lost this. I don't know what happened, um, but I, I I've always enjoyed listening to uh, listening to different uh, to an audio version, a Greek version of of the text, and and that's not always an easy thing to find. Uh, yeah. So, so what I did is I did um, this this remarkable. Have you heard of Google before? Are you familiar with that? Yeah, Google is really cool. That's not my pick. Um, okay, but uh, but this is a uh, it's a website. Uh, uh, it's davidpfield.com. <laughs> All right. I mean, I, I don't know why. Just is um, davidpfield.com, and what. What he has done is arranged, basically produced a uh, uh, an audio version of the entire the, the entire Greek New Testament, and it's free. They're in MP3 files. You can listen to them on the site, or you can download them and put them into iTunes or whatever you want to do. Um, the uh, one of the uh, frustrations with it is is that the text is. Is not the latest critical edition of the Greek. It's from uh, 1898. Um, uh, it's one of the earliest Nestle editions, um, and that was done because it's in the public domain. So ah, the, ah. you can read more about that at the site. But um, for for most purposes, I'm not going to listen to it, or I don't want to listen to it. Um, because I'm trying to pay attention to the Greek apparatus and looking at variant readings, etc., I'm trying to get it for kind of getting in a broader picture into the sense of what does the language sound like. Um, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't speak Greek. I don't think you speak Greek. Not you know, certainly not modern Greek. And uh, and that's one of the things that is always a, a bit of a frustration as a pastor is that these tools that we spend so much time in uh in school learning uh, they disappear so quickly so yeah. this is a this is an easy way to get at it um and as i said it's free so you don't have any uh, uh don't have any real it doesn't look like he has quite everything done but he's got a lot of it um uh, all the gospels most of paul's epistles and 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 there are other places online it does look like in my research at least that you can buy Buy an audio version of Nestle Allen Twenty Seven, so not quite the the absolute latest, but um, almost the latest. You can buy those for between thirty and fifty dollars, either on Accordance or Logos or you know BibleWorks or one of these software programs. So you can, if you want to spend a few shekels, you can get at it. But this is free, which seems like a pretty good price to me. Yeah, so, yeah, um, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I if I um. If I uh, get my act together, I will try to uh, put a uh, sample of Ephesians in the at the end of our audio file here, so that you can kind of get a sense of it for the listener. So okay. that's my pick for this week. My joy bringer. Yeah. I like listening to this stuff. It's interesting. Well, I just added it. I just bookmarked the page. So there you go. thank you very much. You're very welcome. And with that note, do you have any final words for our listeners, Scott? No, thanks for listening. Awesome. 